Welcome to the City Church Cebu Podcast, raising the standard, and the standard is Jesus. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 and keep your finger there as, as I, before I start. By the way, are there happy mothers in the house? Yeah, okay, it's your day today, happy mothers. The sad mothers have another day for them. But for all the happy mothers today, come on, raise your hand, mothers. Mothers, yeah, come on, we're, we're going to give you something today. Good, good. Any mothers by faith? Faith by faith? No? Okay. All right. It's good to get married first. But champions are, you know the real champions? Single mothers, fantastic. Wonder woman, the wonder women, okay. Hey, um, when I grew, I told you before that I, I grew up as a child in Australia, and in Australia, there actually there was actually this bird that I tried to catch. Two things you probably most people don't know about me, that probably Sheila and I are the only few people that know about that, and the whole morning service. I actually, strangely enough, like trees and birds. Uh, as a child, I would see a tree and I think. Can I climb that tree? I would try to climb every tree that I could uh, until we came to the Philippines. And then and I didn't know that, so I tried to climb this sambag tree, and, and all the caterpillars were on me. But generally, I look at trees, and, and Sheila knows this. Every now and then, we're, we're just walking, and she says, what are you looking at? I said, look at that tree. It's so nice. And, and I, I just appreciate trees. Um, I know I'm a bit strange, but I like trees. Do you like trees? Okay, good. So a lot of strange people in the house. And and the other thing I like is I like birds. I mean, not the human birds, the real birds. I like real birds. And one of the birds when I was growing up, I was trying to catch a bird. And if you've ever caught a real live bird, they look really beautiful up close, okay? And I made a bird trap, just a little box with a stick and a string, just something that everybody does. I put some, some rice, because we are Asian, and put some rice there. And some magpies came. We got a picture of a magpie. Uh, yeah, because somebody thought it was a mad pie. That's like a crow. And, and whenever it's nesting season, they'll peck you on the head if you go near the nest. And I tried to catch one of them. I actually got to catch one. And... Uh, placed it in a cage. I was so happy to have, to have a bird inside a cage. I brought it in the house, and my parents said, what are you going to do with that? I said, no, I'm just going to take care of it as a pet. And it wouldn't eat. It just got weaker and weaker. It just was depressed. I mean, you know, like a teenager that wasn't allowed to go out. It was just there the whole time, and it weakened itself. And once in a while, it would drink and eat a bit so my mother said to me, no, you really have to let that bird go or else it's going to die. So I opened the cage and, and the bird did get out, but it practically just weakly walked out and it wouldn't fly. So I got it again and I threw it to make it fly and, and it just flapped it wing, its wings pathetically and then crashed again. And that's because it hadn't used its wing muscles for a long time. Okay. And my mother said, you see, you should have let that go because it's going to die if you don't let it go. So somehow that's going to be in the Bible today. I forgot how to connect the story to the Bible. And if you go to Genesis chapter 12, it's one of the signs of aging, by the way. Stubbornness was one and aging and forgetfulness was the other. 
is actually three signs, stubbornness, forgetfulness, and <laughs> I forgot the third one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about three mothers shortly, and it's not going to be long, please. Bear with this. Three mothers, three mothers who actually had, there it is, three mothers who had to let go of their children, all right? Or else their children will not be able to fly because they would not release the children. They just want to keep, keep them in a cage. And so the first one I'm looking at is Sarah. At this point in your Bible, she was called Sarai. Everybody knows Sarai became Sarah and Abram became Abraham. You'd think their names would get shorter. Instead, it got longer. But Sarah now means princess. But when she was still Sarai, what's, what's the image in your mind when I say Abraham and Sarah? Old? So tentative. Are you sure? Old? Okay, me too. When you say Sarah, I'm thinking of a shriveled up prune face. My wife's going in disagreement. Sarah in Genesis chapter 12. And let's change your impression of Sarah, okay? Now in verse 10, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, he said to his wife, Indeed, I know you're a woman of beautiful countenance. That's just a biblical way of saying you're gorgeous. And therefore it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. And so it was in verse 14, when Abram came into Egypt, that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. You ever seen a beautiful woman? Oh, you're pathetic. You've never seen a... Have you ever seen a beautiful woman? Okay. Uh, it's like Catriona Gray beauty. Come on. Pat Catriona or Pia? Come on. Let's bring the vision in the house. Who likes Pia? Pia. Pia people? Catriona. Okay, I'm a bit biased. Pia, Pia. Sheila. All right. Oh, you're alive after all. That she was very beautiful. So she's, she's this really good-looking woman. And the princes in verse 15, the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. In other words, hey, Boss, chief, you should see this woman. She is so beautiful. You ought to marry her. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. It's almost like uh, buying favor. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done? Why did you tell me that she was your 
why did you not tell me that she was your wife? And why did you say she is my sister? In Cebu, it's usually, she's my cousin. Okay. Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. And so Pharaoh commended, commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. I'm believing all the donkeys and all the camels as well. And then if you go forward to chapter 21, by this time she has aged already, uh, back to the person that you originally thought of her. In chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had spoken and said, the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And at that set time of which God had spoken to him, uh, and Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And then Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old. Man, that's, that's tough to have your father do that to you, as God had commanded him. And now Abraham was a hundred years old when his, son Sarah, uh, when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Okay, and so the name Isaac actually means laughter. One person got it good. Isaac means laughter, and Sarah said, you know, everybody who hears this story is going to laugh. It didn't say laugh at me, but laugh with me, because she found it hilarious that that old man was still going to give her a son. Of course, he also found it hilarious and impossible when he looked at Sarah and said, oh my goodness, this one? Really? And so the amazing thing is with God, nothing is impossible. Yeah. And so he has now, she had now has a son by the name of Isaac. In verse 7, she said, who would have ever who would have said to Abram that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Of course, she didn't mention hers. Amen. And so now the son grows up. And in chapter 22, if you're with me, chapter 22, I'm reading from verse 1. I'm kind of distracted. Give me a minute. Chapter 22, verse 1. It came to pass, and that's an opening phrase of sentence of every many verses in the Bible. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And of course, we understand the whole story here. Everybody knows this story? Yet, yeah, Can you keep up? Stop texting? Good. I can tell you're texting when, when the light shines on your face, by the way. It just, yeah, there's some over there. Especially in that dark corner, you can tell that. 
And so here's beautiful Sarah goes to Egypt and Abraham says, say, say, you're my sister, blah, blah, blah. And later on, they have a son, and she's really old. He's even older. And then the son grows up. He's now a boy. God talks to them and say, you know what? Offer up your son as a sacrifice. Now, we know the story, how the angel of the Lord actually stops the actual slaughter of Isaac and that God released him. I mean, you know, freed him from that. So we know that story, but I'm talking to you a passage here that is not even in your Bible. I want you to perceive how this 90-year-old woman with her 100-year-old husband, who's, that husband just said he met God. Now, I want you to know if, if you were Sarah and your 100-year-old husband said, you know, God just told me, I met God just a while ago, and he told me to slaughter our son as an offering. You would think, He's really off. You know, Abraham, you're really getting old, okay? But somehow, it doesn't share in the Bible where, whether they really had that discussion or not. I do believe, though, that he told his wife, Sarah, she, she was against it, but he still got his way. I don't believe he's like a Cebuano who, don't tell your wife, because if you tell her, you'll really get into trouble. But how many of you know when, you find, when she finds out, you're going to be in more trouble for not telling her? And how many of you know the person beside you is a bit slow today? Yeah. And so I'm believing there's a passage there that wasn't described, a, a portion that where Abraham comes back and actually tells his wife, you know, God actually, I met with God and he told me to offer up our son as a sacrifice. And you and I are outside and we hear this gut-wrenching scream of a woman who loves her son so much and now she, she's actually being told that God is going to ask for that son and have his son slaughtered. I mean, how would you scream? Don't ask me to scream. But I want you to believe that we are outside and as she screamed, all the birds left the trees and all the dogs started barking and all the animals looked around is like, what was that? The gut-wrenching scream of a desperate woman is strong. Have you ever heard that? She's never been angry at you? And so, as Abraham storms out of, the, out of the tent that morning, she's probably clinging on to him. Please don't go. They load up the, the saddle on the donkey. The two men are helping them out. And finally, they start on their little journey. And here's Sarah trying to follow with Isaac's dog barking also. And, and Abraham just has to tell them, now go home, go home. And, and a message that we shared, I have to do what God told me to do. And here's this woman, beautiful Sarah, has to let her son go because God said so. Amen. And then the other mother I want to talk to you about is the mother, the person by the name of Hannah. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, keep up with me please, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 1, it writes about the birth of Samuel who is the author. I don't know if you've ever written about what it was like before you were born. Chapter 1, listen to me in verse 10. It says there in verse 11, sorry, sir. Verse 11, Hannah, the mother of this child that was to be born called Samuel, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, 
If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. She was barren, and so she was praying, God, if you would just give me, let's cut all the pronouns of maidservant that makes it so confusing. If you would just give me a son, I'll make sure this son will serve you. Verse 12 goes, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, who is the high priest, Eli, the high priest, watched her mouth. And now Hannah spoke in her heart in verse 13, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, and therefore Eli thought she was drunk. In verse 14, Eli said to her, how long have you been drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've not drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. And her prayer in verse 20 continues, It came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I've asked from him from the Lord. In verse 21, then the man Elkanah, that's the husband of Hannah. Are you keeping up with all these names? Yeah, are you sharp? Good. So Hannah's praying that a son would be born. And then Elkanah, the husband, in verse 23, said to her, do what seems best to you. Excuse me, sorry. Verse 21, now the man Elkanah and all his house went to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until this child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain here forever. And so in verse 24, when she had weaned him, she took him with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And, of course, they they slaughtered the bull. They did the sacrifice. And verse 26, she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you praying to the Lord. She's talking to Eli, calling him Lord, and saying, Oh, my Lord, I was that woman who was praying, and God answered the prayer. And then in verse 27, The child I prayed and the Lord has given me, for this child I prayed, the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him, and therefore I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worshipped the Lord there. A little bit of an explanation how that went. And so they go together. She's got, how old would be a weaned baby? Two years? Yeah? Can anybody help me? Because I've never had it. Two, okay. So she's bringing this little two-year-old toddler, and they're on the way to church. And what he doesn't know is that she prayed to God that he would give, him, give her a son, and this son would be given to the Lord. It's like a baby dedication that we do, except that what she meant was, I am going to leave this baby at the temple with Eli the priest, and I want you to picture the heaviness of the journey going from their house to the temple with the baby that she so desperately wanted. And I dare any mother in this house give your baby away at a baby dedication. Of course, we don't want your babies. 
thank God. But I want you to see how this mother is bringing this treasured possession of her only child whom she had waited for for so long. And now this barren woman, Sarah was beautiful, Hannah was barren. She's bringing this toddler to church. And as they do their sacrifices, she and her husband went home without their son. And they left that son to be raised in the temple to serve the Lord. That is horrible. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing. It's impossible to do that apart from the grace of God and you loving God more than your son. Actually leaving your son. I dare anybody to leave their sons to the Lord. I mean, not when they're teenagers, when they're giving you a hard time. Pastor, anak lang natin I mean, as a cute, harmless little baby, when you can still bite their feet. You remember you used to bite your kids' feet? Yeah, and then there was one day it was like, not biteable anymore. Like, and that was it, you know. But I dare you to leave your baby to a high priest or to any priest and say, from now on, you're going to serve the Lord. And this little child must have been looking for his mother. And later on, of course, we know how this man grows up. He becomes a prophet Samuel. Two mothers already. One was barren, one was beautiful, and then eventually at 90 years old, had a baby, the son grew up, and God said, I want that son, slaughter him for me. And Abraham was willing to do it, but God was not willing to accept it. Then the other mother, Hannah, who would pray earnestly, she would so cry and weep before the Lord, her soul was so vexed until the son finally came, and she kept her promise. Promise God, this child, if you would give me a child, I promise I'll let him serve you. You know. How many of you know some of us can't even promise to stop sinning sometimes? Yeah, but this woman was a fantastic woman who was able to release her son Samuel. And then the third mother, pretty obvious, Mary. Luke chapter 1, New Testament. And I'm going to tie in all these three mothers in a bit. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Now let's start from 26. Start the whole paragraph with me, sir. Verse 26, Luke chapter 1, Now on the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. We've heard that phrase with every Christmas special. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. And, and there's in my version... The end of the sentence actually has an exclamation mark. She comes in and the angel says, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, I don't know about you, but if you walked into your house and an angel just all of a sudden says, Rejoice, highly favored one, I would freak out. Okay. He says that, the angel now says that, Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob 
forever and his kingdom there will be no end. By the way, have you heard this before? Yeah, Merry Christmas in advance, all right? And Mary in verse 34 said, how can this be? I do not know a man. Another version, because this is the King James, which gets very polite. Another version says, how can this be? I am a virgin. And she was the only virgin that was ever pregnant. You can never use that excuse again. Okay, You can't say that white man, the man dressed in white, not a white man, but a man dressed in white, he spoke to me and I got pregnant. Imagine the, the anguish of Joseph, the boyfriend, when she actually tells him, guess what, hon, I'm pregnant. How did she even relate that? And for Joseph to actually trust her, who made you pregnant? Well, this angel spoke and his word got me pregnant. What? And so Joseph was spoken by God in a dream, and he believed. Because I don't think any human being could ever explain that. It had to be God intervening to say, look, it's true. It's a true story. People can get pregnant, uh, but just that one person, okay? No other person ever got pregnant by an angel again. Isn't that good? Yeah. So think of another excuse. And we understand how this, how can this be that I've never known a man? The angel answered in verse 35. It said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. And she presented herself and said, Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And what wasn't said there was she became pregnant. Fantastic. Fast forward the story. He's arrested. He's tortured. He's beaten up and stripped. He's given a cross to carry. He's paraded naked through the streets of Jerusalem. People mocking him. People spitting at him, pulling at his hair and his beard. And finally, he reaches Golgotha, and they drive spikes through his nail, nails and uh, through his hands and through his feet, and he's left there to hung, to dry, to die. And while he's dying, his mother Mary, who is blessed, Sarah was very beautiful, Hannah was barren, and Mary was blessed. Watching her son and all the tormentors mocking him, as she helplessly watched her son die, and she had to let her son go. I'm talking to you about today, about how motherhood, the beautiful calling of being a mother, that I am not, I am a father, but God creates this creature that has this compassion and passion and a heart to so love, to nurture and to protect, to the point that Normally, a mother will never abandon her child. And as they raise their children individually, in each one, God intervenes and says, I have a calling higher than your love for your child. And all three of them had to let their child go. In fact, all parents, not just mothers, have to let their children go. If you were to keep your children, because you do love your children, right? 
Come on, convince me. There's a, there was an age every time Sheila and I would leave the house, our two boys would be crying because they'd want to come with us. And then the, there was a transition wherein they were the ones who'd leave the house and we'd be left crying. What time are these guys going to come home, you know? And then finally our sons grew up and, and then when one son left to work in Sydney, it was heart-wrenching for us. I didn't know I could cry so much, but I knew, we knew we had to let our sons go. We had to let our children grow, go, or else they would be a magpie in a cage. Uh, ah, uh, and if you keep them in a cage and it's so nice to have them and so nice to look at them and it, it's so nice to be with them all the time, but there comes a stage they don't even want to be with you. They want to, there's a stage when you try to teach them something before you're even finished, you know, son, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They don't even want you to tell them. And so there's an age wherein your mothering becomes smothering. Yeah, there's an age wherein they don't want to listen to you anymore. But as mothers, and because it's Mother's Day, really also fathers, we want to hold on to our children as much as possible. But then as the children grow up, and they do spread their wings and they fly and they fall in love with somebody and they, and they now get married and they play house. Have you ever played house? Come on. Or maybe you just have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and, and you just ignore your parents. And I want to tell you, the parents' love never changes. As far as you're concerned, I mean, we're looking at our son. He's 35 years old. As far as Sheila's concerned, he's still our baby. Of course, we don't tell him that because he doesn't like, oh, you're, you're my baby. And just, I mean, our, our sons are like that. Are they peculiar or are your sons like that too? Yeah. And so there's a time of letting go. And that really is a part of parenting. It's a part of motherhood. A strange creature God creates with a passion and the heart to love like no other human being can. Fathers love, but there's, the expression is different when it comes from mothers. I mean, you hurt yourself. And you, as a child, you run to your mother. In fact, some husbands, when they get sick today, they run to their wife like it's their mother. You become this retard. You become a child all over again. Come on, you got to drink some soup. Come on, come on. Just, just one. Come on. Good, good. Some more, some more. We, we revert. Come on, am I the only retarded person when we, when we get sick here, guys? Help me, guys. And, and it's something about a mother's love. It's not like you go to your father. I remember I got hurt once, scraped my, my side. I don't know if you've ever as a kid, driven a bike down, bicycle down a hill and fall off and just scrape your, from your hip all the way down to your ankles. It's, and, and the skin was peeled off, but it wasn't bleeding yet, just white. And then when I pressed it, the blood started coming out. And then I went home, I told my dad, and he spanked me. <laughs> I should have gone to my mom. We gone to my mom, oh, what happened to you? And she would have poured out the love. My dad told you never to ride the bike like this. You, you're, you're always trying to drive as fast as you can. But, but I'm a boy. Boys love to do that. 
Amen. Boys love bicycles that, that we race down. We don't want pink bicycles with little bells and ring, 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 and a basket in front. You know, we want a racing bike. And so I was driving down the hill at like nine years old as fast as I could. And I didn't make the corner, scraped myself so bad, got home. My dad got so angry. My brother got angry because it was his bike. And so I'm lying down in bed, no, nobody cares for me. Mama comes and mommy, you know, Joel, you shouldn't have done that. (sighs) Have you forgotten how to cry like a kid? You ever cried, you sobbed so bad that your mother goes out and gives you a glass of water, drink some of this, it'll make you feel better. (laughs) I don't know what it is about mother's water. I mean, she brings you a glass, and, she's, ah, 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 ah. and that hug. But then she passed away because I was so busy with life. We can get so busy, and there are mothers all over the world today who are suffering because their children have grown up. The love of the mother, it necessitates a time wherein you do let go of your children. But it's only a physical letting go. The emotional part of it never changes. Amen. Come on. I visited a family once and the son was into drugs, really heavy drugs. And I sat down with the mother and said, you know, um, we're here because we really need to help your son. He dropped out of school. He's been taking drugs. And she said, no, my son doesn't take drugs. No, all his friends are taking drugs. We see him high coming to church with our youth group. He's taking drugs. She's in denial. No, my son does not take drugs. Her son was taking a shower. By the time he finished shower, he came down soaking wet. He took a shower with his clothes on. And I said, see, ma'am? He's taking drugs. No, he just took a shower with his clothes on. It's like she can't seem to see it through the eyes of love that her son was into drugs. Of course, the father knew right away. But the mother refuses to, you know. And you want to get a mother angry? Just tell her her baby's not cute. She will be vicious. That's why we have that phrase, a face that only a mother could love. Right? Now, now don't feel hurt, because that would mean it's you. And so, as these mothers have to let go of the magpie in the cage, or else they will never mature or flex their wings, because we're smothering and suffocating them, there should be a transfer of the momentum and initiative of love. That when a parent lets go her children, kids, don't get wild. Learn to reciprocate. Learn to give back the love. The other day, there was a 100-year-old woman on, on ABS-CBN. Okay, they featured this woman, 101. Okay, she knows. My wife remembers everything. 101 years old, Living alone, she raised her children, her husband died, all her children went abroad, living their lives, and she's living alone. And of course, she was saying, had it not been for the teleseries on ABS-CBN, she would be depressed. And so the TV saved her, she was saying. And I think it is sad that in a lot of nations, parents are left in the homes of the aged. 
I visited a home for the aged once, and all they were doing was assembling jigsaw puzzles. A jigsaw puzzle company had donated, you know, 2,000 pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. I don't know if you, guys, hey guys, you know what a jigsaw puzzle is? Millennials, you do? Yeah, you take a picture, cut it up into pieces, put it back together. It's like, why'd they cut it up in the first place? You know, and, they, and all these elderly people were, all they do all day long is assemble the jigsaw puzzles. And a pastor brought me and said, I'm going to visit one of our members. She's in the home of the aged. I've never been to a home for the aged. And so I visited, and they were all, my mistake, I think, was I engaged them in conversation. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And she said, come with me. Let me show you all the jigsaw puzzles that I had assembled. She took me for a whole hour of how she assembled each one that was on the wall. I was going to die. Just, and this one, you know what happened? This happened when there was a storm. She described the storm and everything. And, and finally, what happened, the reason why the house had so many jigsaw puzzles was there was one jigsaw puzzle that as one woman assembled it, there was one piece missing. It was a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. And the last piece was from another puzzle. And this woman sued the company. And they gave so many jigsaw puzzles. So I don't know if that's a good thing. But the sad thing is that people can actually be so busy with life and career and ministry that you can actually leave the people that love you the most in a home. Let me pay you. Feed them. Take care of them. Let me know when they're dying. And I think that's not progress. That's retrogression. As a nation, we are very family. When you marry a Filipino, you marry into the family. I learned that the hard way. In my wedding, I invited two friends. And my father said, you got to invite more than that. I said, I only want to bring two friends. And so he invited some relatives. But Sheila's side, they're from Iligan. I think they have 11 uncles and aunties or something, all with big families. And I realized that when I married her, we met her family at the boat, in the pier at the boat. And the whole boat, two decks, were waving at her. Sheila, Sheila. And I'm looking at that and saying, are those all your relatives? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, that's a whole boat full. I said, it's really like that in my family. And as they came down, they were bringing their helpers and their drivers and goats and chickens and sacks of rice and calderos. The whole fiesta deal came. And there's one time they were bringing a cow. I said, wow, what am I getting into here? And it was just a clingy, clannish, loving family. My family was so Western. We, I was in the hospital. My mother visited me for 20 minutes. 90, I was nine days in the hospital. And she came and visited and brought me a basket of fruits. Sat there formally. So how are you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. They taking care of you? Yeah, doing, doing good. How's the lab results? It's good. Okay, and she opened a newspaper and read. He says, I have to go home now. And the nurses will take care of you. Yeah, sure, Mom, thanks. I didn't feel hurt by that. That's just how we were raised. 
And all the nurses would come in and, Why nagmahal ni mo? Why nagmahal ni mo? I said, no. No, my family loves me. That's why she visited. Yeah, but it's first time in seven days. I said, we're just like that. We're just not clingy. But I know they love me. If they die, if I die, they'll go to my funeral, I'm sure. Okay. But Filipinos, man, the whole barangay goes to the hospital. And everybody has to bring you food. Hello? And that little bench that's on the side of the hospital bed, that's supposed to be somebody's bed. And he said, you know, you should tell your brother to sit here, to sleep here, or, or your father. He said, my, my brother would never sleep on that hard bench. He said, but that's what family is for. And if there's something beautiful in our oriental culture is we're still into family. Sometimes a little bit too much. But today, all that is changing. The newest, the youngest of our generation now, nah, they can leave go abroad, say bye, pack up, build their lives and career, and never look back. And I say this to you today. Your mother and father raised you with such sacrifice that when I first had my child, I realized, wow, I've been a real bad son to my father. I remember holding my son, and he had just taken a bath. His tummy was bad. I didn't put a diaper on him yet. And he just, and I said, oh, cleaned him up. And I said, well, my dad had to do this. You know, children, when you have kids, it's God's way of telling you, you've been a lousy son. Go home and appreciate your parents. So I went to my dad and mom and I, papa and mama, and I gave them a big hug. And my father just said, now you know, now you know. It's his way of saying, da, you see. What can we all do as Christians? At least demonstrate as children to love your parents. Honor your father and mother. I'm, I'm sorry. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long and full. Amen. So your parents do have to let you go. Their heart will never let go of you, but they do have to let you go. But to every person who has a parent here today, give the love back, if anything. Respect, honor, and love. I don't have a mother anymore, neither does Sheila. But I'm sure of this, both of us would do anything if we could just have an hour with our parents again. If I could just talk to mom, say, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm such a lousy son to you. And I want to love her. And all I can say is, Lord Jesus, would you tell my mother that I love her? Because you can't talk to the dead. They're alive in heaven. But you can talk to Jesus. Say, could you relay a message? Could you tell my mom I really love her? Because I really do. When she passed away, three weeks in the hospital, in and out of the hospital for the last five years, when she had finally passed away. The day before that, I, her health became so well. And I asked the doctor, how's my, my mom? She's, she's doing good, actually. Hey, I have to fly back to Cebu. The office wants me to sign some checks. I'll come back right away. And the doctor said, yeah, sure, you can do that. So I told my mother, Ma, I gotta go back to Cebu. I'll be back tomorrow morning, okay? She says, uh, 
go. I flew to Cebu. As soon as I landed, I turned on my phone, and there were messages already. Mama just passed away. Ugh. I was kicking myself. Why did I have to leave her side? And so I flew back right away after signing the checks, and I said to myself, some silly job. Why did I have to do this and leave my mother? And as soon as I arrived, one of, one of my siblings actually said, why did you have to go? It would have been good if you were here. Oh, rub it in. And I felt so guilty for three months. We buried her in the ground after a few days. But for three months, I was tormenting myself. Why did I have to leave her? Why did I have to leave her? What if I stayed? I should have done this. I couldn't have done that. Blah, blah, blah. I was beating myself on the head. And after three months, I came to a realization. If I don't bury all the what-ifs and the should-haves and the could-haves, I will never know peace. You know, R.I.P., rest in peace, isn't for the person who is dead and is now in the peace of the Lord. It's for the people that have left behind that didn't settle things in their heart. And so I had to bury my mother a second time in my heart to say, Ma, I'm really sorry. Had I known that you would have died, of course I would have stayed. And you know that, Ma, so I'm letting you go. And as I buried her in my heart, I had peace. Today is Mother's Day. I would do anything. If only I could mail a cell phone to my mom even if we could just talk on the phone. So your word today, if you have a mother, don't be so busy with life. As a Christian, demonstrate what love is. Give her a call. Not just today, because it's Mother's Day. She's expecting a call. Do it even after Mother's Day. Hi, Mom. Happy day after Mother's Day. Yeah. Do it next week as well. Hi, Mom. Happy week after Mother's Day. Like, connect to her because when she's gone you will kick yourself like I kicked myself demonstrate to the secular to the world this is how Christian families love each other yes mother you have to let your children go but children when your mother has to let you go because you're insistent on building your home and your love life and your career now it's your turn to do the loving love back and I want to tell you, she fed you from the day you were born till this day. Love her back. And don't be, don't let ABS-CBN Teleseria replace you. And guess what ABS-CBN did? They got, they got the cast of that series and they visited this 100-year-old woman. And it just, that was scary. She could have had a heart attack. But you know, they visited her and it just really made her day. But then she said, Sana ang anak ko. I wish it were my children. I mean, she was so happy with that. But she wished it was her children that would at least visit her. You know, while you have your loved ones, love them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, bless the family here to demonstrate the love of family with the love of God. There's so many children that are growing up disrespecting parents already, already answering back, being rude, being selfish. 
And then there are so many parents selfishly not wanting to let go of their children. But you have to let them go. You have to let them grow up. And don't be afraid. If you have taught them to love you, you're not really letting them go away. They're just physically away. But their hearts are always knitted to yours. May every person in this room that has family elevate the level of love that they have for each other. Don't wait for the time to give flowers to your mother when she's lying in a casket. Love her today and love her always. Always. And those that are far, bring healing. Bring healing and bring a concern. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Oh, and love others as you love yourself. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long and full. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, City Church.